0: This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back to Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. Outdoor adventures require equipment, and this includes having a good knife. Cooking at home or at the campsite also means having good knives. Miss Lily's going to school us about what knives you need to have around in the outdoor environment and in your kitchen. I'm reaching out to some experts who collect knives, use knives, and can teach us about knives. And I'll be offering some tips and recommendations on tools and techniques for keeping your knives sharp. Come on, Lewis. Let's go find Miss Lily. Getting schooled with Miss Lily. Hi, Lily. Hi. (laughs) Hey, what'd you find out for us about different types of knives? You know, for camping, for preparing food while camping, and and yes, for the kitchen.
1: Well, first off, let's cover the two most popular types of outdoor knives, starting with folding knives.
0: Ah, the Swiss Army. Uh, That's my favorite. It's the old standby, guaranteed for life.
1: Yeah, multi-tools that do for opening cans and carving spoons, huh?
0: Multi-tools? Well, I don't know if Swiss Army's a multi-tool. To me, the multi-tools aren't bigger, heavier. They have pliers. Swiss Army knives never have pliers.
1: There are sheath knives, a single-purpose non-folding knife that comes with its own sheath or holster that you attach to your belt to carry.
0: I got a few of those, but, you know, I don't they know. They make you look like a lunatic, honestly. <laughs> if you're at the hunting camp or if you're out there in the bush and you've got a tent and a knapsack and something like that's handy. But um, I like to just have my knife in my pocket. Lily, what Mm -hmm. about knives for the kitchen? You know, camp and home.
1: According to the Escoffier website, a chef training center, there are many. (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah, many.
1: (laughs) Probably the most popular is what is referred to as the chef's knife. Ah. Chef's knives are typically between 8 and 10 inches, although they can be as short as 6 inches. You'll use your chef's knife for most of your slicing during food prep, and in many ways, it'll be the most valuable tool you use. The more comfortable you feel with the weight and balance, the more quickly you'll be able to do the dice and the slice. (laughs) Yeah. You're looking for a knife that gives you a smooth and fast rhythm as you're cutting.
0: It's about the rhythm. You know, this is the knife you use on a chopping board for slicing things up. And it's just your all-around knife. But visually, I think it's the knife that looks like, you know, the kind of knife that someone would attack someone with on a movie, right? It's long, it's skinny, it's pointy. It looks very threatening. But it's really (laughs) just that traditional knife shape.
1: A paring knife.
0: Okay, paring knife. Yeah,
1: it's a basically a small chef knife. Huh. And I know it's your favorite because you're always talking about your paring knife. Well,
0: I, I like to use a paring knife for peeling potatoes and things like that. I just God find forbid it's, he
1: use a potato peeler.
0: I don't like potato peelers on potatoes because you leave way too much behind. Yeah, you, you know you can't really feel what you're doing with it. With a paring knife, you can feel with your thumb ahead of the knife blade where where the peel is and where the peel isn't, and you can guide the knife blade so you're only peeling the skin not the actual potato itself i just find it's way more efficient
1: yeah well the blade will be no longer than 3.5 inches and choose a heavier blade for the harder tasks to avoid injury
0: oh yeah well, that makes sense
1: utility knife ah as the name suggests this is a utilitarian knife the blade is longer than a paring knife and more narrow than a chef's knife. A utility knife is generally six inches long and works well slicing fruit, tender pieces of meat, or sandwiches.
0: We don't have one of those, you know, like a good old utility knife, do we?
1: Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs>
0: what about me? Well, it's, yeah, it's Kitchen, your, your mom likes to run the kitchen, that's for sure. But
1: you're the one who seems the most excited about the knives.
0: Because she wants me to keep them sharp all the time for her.
1: Why would she want that?
0: Dull knives make hard work, I'll tell you, and they're dangerous.
1: Boning knife. Long, thin, and strong, this knife is used to remove meat from the bone. Its thinness allows you to move with the curves and bend of the bone and separate the meat, leaving as little behind as possible. When using a boning knife, do not attempt to cut through bone. No. (laughs) That's very important.
0: No, That's a cleaver.
1: Uh, There are two versions of a boning knife. You know, a boning knife is narrow, comes to a very sharp point, and is usually five to six inches long. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll either have a flexible or stiff blade... The flexible blade is suitable for removing skin and bones from poultry and fish.
0: Yes, the fillet knife.
1: The stiff blade allows you to use the greater force when you're working with thick cuts of meat like beef or pork.
0: I'm always amazed at fillet knives, you know, for cleaning fish. They're so thin and skinny and sharp.
1: Well, next we have the subway worker's favorite, the bread knife. The bread. <laughs> the bread knife cuts through bread. Yeah. Oh, man, who'd have seen that coming? Yeah, yeah. Its serrated edge lets it slice bread without tearing the loaf apart. The saw-like blade of a bread knife, or serrated knife, uh-huh. is ideal when you want to cut something without applying pressure. A serrated knife comes in handy when you're slicing tomatoes, apples, citrus, or bell peppers. The sawing motion gently cuts through the surface without crushing the insides, though the cut won't necessarily look as clean as the one you'll get with a carving knife.
0: No, because it's sawing. Theo got your mom a bread knife and she uses it for everything, but I find it's hard to sharpen. I have to sharpen with a certain sharpening stone that fits in between the serrations. It's, it's, it's a big job to keep that knife sharp. It takes a while.
1: I'm sure It does. As opposed to the carving knife. A good carving knife is usually 15 inches long. It's thin blade. An indentation that runs down the blades is meant to stop food from sticking to the surface, making it the perfect choice when carving turkey, ham, pork, or roast beef.
0: It's really like a chef knife, only longer. Like when you're cutting slices off a 10-inch piece of roast beef, you need a knife that's, you know, good 15 inches so you can sort of cut back and forth without the tip digging in.
1: The next one's my favorite. Yeah? It's a cheese knife. Oh. Soft cheese often sticks to knives, which is why cheese knives have holes in them. These holes reduce the cheese surface contact with the knife and cut down on sticking. Be mindful of the sharpness of your knife when cutting cheese as harder <laughs> cheese will require a sharper knife.
0: Yeah, good sharp knife. It's important. But you know what? I, I find people don't put sharp knives on the cheese platter because I guess they're afraid everyone's going to cut themselves with it. So then you get these dull knives. And you have to almost put your whole weight behind it to cut a piece of cheese off right what else you got
1: cleavers now cleavers cleavers are the things that i think look like serial killer weapons they're heavy sharp and they cut through bones
0: and you whack with them
1: their size and weight helps you drive them down through meat and bones letting you prepare your meat yourself While this knife isn't particularly common in home kitchens, we have one. I don't know if we even should. Yeah,
0: we do. We we use it all the time. But it's not a real heavy cleaver. Well, we have two. We have a heavy cleaver that we never use. And we have a smaller cleaver that we use on everything.
1: I caught Theo using the heavy cleaver to cut open a, (laughs) like, apple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one chop will do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He almost cut his fingers off. Oh, boy. Many chefs and restaurants use them, so they have total control over
0: their cuts of meat. If you have a nice cleaver that's well-balanced, you can use it for everything. Like, I like using it for chopping vegetables, carrots, celery, potatoes, you know, peppers. It just, it's got a little bit of weight, so it goes through. Even if it's a little bit dull, it still sort of goes through. I'm not chopping, though. I'm, I'm still slicing.
1: Mincing knife is a curved knife that is held with both hands and used by rocking it back and forth. This knife can quickly mince vegetables or herbs into very small pieces with... Minimal effort. The Inuit have an ulu, right?
0: We have an ulu. I brought her an ulu back once mm-hmm. from the Arctic. Uh, she doesn't use the ulu, but she likes the mincing knife and she won't let me sharpen it. She says she wants it dull. So, like, she cuts up the vegetables and then she minces them with this rocking knife and she says she wants it more crushed to release the flavor from the vegetables. Pulverizes them a little bit. I use the ulu. Do you do, use the ulu?
1: Yeah, when you have to, like, cut herbs and stuff.
0: Yeah, I just sharpened it the other day. I like the ulu. I watched Inuit women clean fish with these things I, they can do everything with them you yeah know.
1: they cut their muktuk with it
0: yeah yeah scrape hides it's just they have one knife and it's the uh, ulu uh, yeah traditionally mm-hmm. probably not anymore i'm in mean, uh, the eye probably everyone we, has more knives yeah. yeah to watch them work with an ulu it's quite fascinating lily yeah i got something for you and your brother
1: theo's eyes are <laughs> widened here just just to
0: say thanks Theo. that's for you and lily that's for you
1: oh great a pocket knife
0: a swiss army
1: what color is yours? Which one do you want? I want this one. You get the blue one, Theo.
0: I want the silver one. Okay, all right. So I, I wasn't sure who would want the silver one and who would want the blue one, but they both have more or less the same features.
1: Yay! Huh? Oh wait, no, they have different features. Wait. Do they? <laughs> who has the better one? <laughs>
0: i think the blue hey, you, the, one the,
1: i want the 14 functions thank you very
0: much the blue one has a couple more than it's okay, the silver you, one you can
1: have the blue one <laughs> i have the nine function he has the 14
0: but one. they're grown-up swiss army knives i'm guys.
1: gonna bring it to school
0: no you can't you you cannot bring <laughs> these knives to school time for the bucket list Hello. It's Lawrence. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, man. Good. Uh, how was the skiing? It was very good. You told me
3: once, and I've
0: known you for a long time, it wasn't until recently that you told me you, you have a knife collection.
3: Yeah. I just uh, accidentally sort of pick up knives wherever I
0: see them. Anything in particular? Like, uh, is it a style of knife or vintage knives or?
3: I like small knives, small like pen knives, what we call pen knives, the folding type blades. If I go to a show or... Like anywhere where they're selling flea markets and stuff, I'll see if there's any interesting knives. So not the expensive ones? No, real cheap. And how many knives do you think you have? One drawer. I have 16 sitting there. And I've got other places with a few more. Now, you've got lots of grandchildren, too.
0: Do you you ever give the knives away as gifts to the, the kids?
3: They're still too young. Who says? Me. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> if I was with them, they can use knives, but I wouldn't just give them a knife to have because you never know what happens. Yeah. And especially these days, if a, a child you know shows a friend a knife, then all of a sudden it's all around and that's uh, not a good thing usually. Someone's getting a phone call from someone's parent. That's right. Probably in the 80s, the uh, knives started to have locking blades like the pen knives. Yeah. And so like I like when a knife is opened and then it's locked. Yeah. So when you're cutting something or maybe you have to pry something, it doesn't fold on your fingers like it used to do when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, I remember locking blade knives was something that you only ever saw in like a switchblade.
3: Yeah, I don't have switchblades. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're not in a gang.
3: That's what you're telling no, me. No, I'm not in a gang at all. No, no. But do you remember the blade, the flick knives
0: or the knives that popped out of the handle and then they would lock and position? Right. Would, yeah. But yeah. now, now it's on, almost all knives have locking blades now, don't they?
3: That's right. But that's because like the knives that we had when we were kids, they folded, and the yeah. way you hold a pen knife, your fingers are there and it folds and it cuts your kn- knuckle.
0: So. Yeah. Hey, yeah. so how sharp should a knife be?
3: Very sharp. Yeah? Really sharp. You can still cut yourself with a sharp knife, but it's much safer to have a sharp knife. You're not sawing away and it doesn't slip and cut another, your finger or something like that. So really sharp is very important.
0: Is there a style of knife that you could recommend as a, as a good all-round pen knife?
3: My jeans still have that little pocket. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I have a little uh, three-inch knife that I carry in my pocket all the time. Yeah. It's only got a two-inch blade. I'll say I use my knife almost every second day. There's something, you just open a letter or you cut a box open or something. You just have your knife handy. So
0: what about these you know multi-tools and Swiss Armies and things like that, you know, with all the different gadgets?
3: In my knapsack, I'll carry a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Because you might use one of those funny screwdrivers or something different. Yeah. But like I say, like just carry it in my pants all the time. I like a really thin uh, knife and with just one blade. A serrated blade or just a good sharp blade? I actually don't like serrated blades. I don't find they cut as well. I like a nice smooth blade. Hey, thanks, Dave. Okay, no problem.
0: Hello? Ian, it's Lawrence. How you doing? Hey, Lawrence. How you doing? Good. I was just talking to Dave about knives. When do you give a knife to a child?
4: Well, we don't really uh, set a time. We sort of determine based on the child when the right time is. But we certainly don't um, hold the knives back at all. We like to kind of get, get the knives in the hands of kids supervised as early as, I would say, grade... One. In the scouting system that would be the cub level.
0: Do you have to get like consent forms from their parents before you do this or what? We
4: don't, but parents know what the program is. Yeah. So they know what's involved. And we often introduce them in a kind of a camp setting. We do a skills camp uh, early on in this in the scouting year. Yeah. And in those camps they we choose, you know, what skills they're gonna learn. They can do a knife training or they learn how to use the stoves and the lanterns or they learn how to be around campfires so it's just one of those uh, outdoor skills that we want to get the kids involved in
0: so what are you teaching them to use the knife for like carving tent pegs
4: or spoons or yeah that's exactly it yeah so we start with um introducing the kids to the knives i should say we we encourage parents to provide the knife actually. right um we prefer that they use a folding knife so like a kind of like Swiss army style. We prefer a smaller knife and also one that is inexpensive
0: because the knife's going to be taken away from them at some point. No, they're <laughs> losing it
4: like in the in the grass.
0: Oh, they lose their knife. <laughs> <not. laughs> yeah. And what about locking blades? Dave said locking blades is the way to go. Do you think
4: that's I like locking blades, but I find that the locking blades are really only available in the larger style mm-hmm. um, folding knife.
0: My smaller Swiss army knives don't have locking blades.
4: In terms of the curriculum for the what we test for in the knife training is uh, you know just standard blade control, always knowing where your blade is and facing the blade out. We use this concept, we call it a blood circle. So it's like basically the distance you should be from another youth. Oh, yeah. Um, when you're using the, the knife, the, the idea is that they can carve or whittle. And it's always supervised.
0: So what's the ultimate scout knife?
4: That we find the kids mostly go with. The small Swiss Army
0: knife. What are the must-have tools on your Swiss Army knife for scouting, for camping?
4: Really? It's just the fixed blade.
0: Thanks so much, Ben. Appreciate it. No problem. Okay. Take care, Lawrence. Yeah, you too. Bye no. now. Bye. Hi, Lawrence. Hey, Lisa. How you doing?
2: I'm very good, thank you. you.
0: Good, good. Hey, I was thinking that maybe you could help us out. Like, As a fishing guide, I know you've done some multi-species kind of fishing. I know you're mostly doing musky and you don't eat musky. But when you do those multi species trips and you're paying customers want you to give them that traditional shore lunch experience. What knife do you bring to the game?
2: Well, it is important to have a quality knife, that's for sure. Yeah. You need a sharp knife. Uh, if you don't have a sharp knife, you're you're definitely not gonna do a very good job. It'll it'll kinda of look more hacked than an actual fillet. Yeah. So you definitely want a sharp knife. And also it's a it's a safety issue as well. If you if your knife is not sharp, then um, you know, you could potentially hurt yourself as well.
0: And no one wants to have your blood on their food.
2: Exactly. <laughs> but so, what kind of knife do you use? Just a really good quality stainless steel fillet knife. The better quality stainless steel you have, the, the longer it's going to last and the easier it'll be to sharpen.
0: But you're not buying these showpiece knives, you know, these collectibles. Like, what are you spending on a good fillet knife?
2: Yeah, you can get a very good quality one for $40 for sure. I would avoid anything under $10. Yeah,
0: but there seems (laughs) to be like every fishing company out there makes a fillet
2: knife. A lot of them are mass produced now. Yeah. Uh, So so that's why I'm saying it's important to kind of look at the quality, look at the grade of the stainless steel that you're getting.
0: How do you sharpen them? What do you use?
2: Uh, Just a regular um, sharpening stone.
0: Like a wet stone, an oil stone? Whetstone, yeah,
2: that's what I use. Yeah,
0: you don't use that tool that you pull the knife blade through and it scrapes the edge of the. <laughs> huh?
2: No, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of those. No, <laughs> uh, you know they. You know they do the job, but you can get a much sharper edge with a with a whetstone.
0: Like I kind of noticed mm. some of those cases, those fillet knives come with, they come with a built-in sharpener, but they, I, I'm like you, like you've put your blade in there and it just scratches the metal off your mm. blade, leaves little peelings of metal shards behind and <laughs> it's nasty.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have
0: you, have you had any uh, uh, bad experiences out there making those shore lunches? I mean... You got you got people watching you, right? They're watching you preparing their their gourmet meal, everything in one pan kind of thing.
2: <laughs> the hardest part, honestly, okay. you don't exactly have a, a kitchen to work in, so. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: but you can get. Uh, you've probably seen those. It's basically just a, a wooden bore, but it actually grips the fish. You can. It'll hold onto the tail. It's got a little oh, yeah. metal spring clip there, yeah. so that makes. A lot easier for sure.
0: The fish slime on a board, yeah, they they get slippery, right?
2: If they hit the ground, that's not a very, it's <laughs> not very appetizing. <laughs> no,
0: and, and head head on, head off. What, what do people prefer these days? I know in New York City, people pay more for the heads. Uh, on their dinner plate than they do for the fish now.
2: Typically, you know, I'd say 90% of the, of the filleting we're doing is uh, for walleye. Yeah. And people want just the straight fillets. And believe it or not, actually, the, the cheeks, the cheeks are very popular.
0: Lisa, thanks so much.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Lauren. Outdoor tips
0: and tech. Six
3: degrees on your left, <laughs> South.
2: South. Southeast.
0: So how sharp do knives need to be? Dull knives, like axes, are dangerous. If they're not sharp enough, they just bounce off. They slide off. They take too much effort. You get tired. You get fatigued. That's when accidents happen. A good sharp knife gets the job done without requiring a lot of effort. Just need to make sure your fingers stay out of the way. There's the typical knife sharpening tool that you get in bargain bins at dollar stores and places like that sits on your countertop you hold it with one hand it's got a sort of a, a groove in it usually made out of plastic and you you put your knife in there and you pull it back and it sort of grinds down on each side of the blade scraping off little bits of metal as it sharpens your blade these things actually destroy your knives you don't want to do that with a, a good knife maybe a, a really cheap stainless steel knife maybe in an emergency everyone talks about the right angle. Should it be 12 degrees, 15 degrees, 18 degrees? I can tell you, for a good kitchen knife, a good knife that you're working with around food, you want a very small angle. So if you think about you're putting the blade on the table, on its side, and you lift the back of the blade up, and if you stacked sort of two nickels or three dimes, or maybe even three nickels behind the spine of the knife, the back of the knife, that's sort of the angle you want to have. Now, for a working knife, like a real heavy-duty knife that you're going to be using in the outdoors for wood and things like that, a little stronger angle, a little higher angle, means that the cutting edge isn't quite as weak. It's less likely to fold over. You can use it for cutting harder things. A good sharpening stone is all you need to sharpen a knife some you splash water on some you have to soak in the water before you use them some you have to apply oil you never use these good sharpening stones dry because what you want to do is you want to create a little bit of a slurry a little bit of a, a scum layer on top of the stone that's what actually does the sharpening just a dry stone is just it's like a file or sandpaper it just grinds away at the knife it doesn't really hone the knife i prefer a good size Eight inches long, you know, three inches wide, maybe an inch or two deep, something of that size. That way you can keep your hands away from the knife. I position that stone going away from me. So it's not side to side from left to right. It's pointing away from me. And I pull it towards me when I'm sharpening one side of the blade. And then when I flip the knife over, I'm pushing it away from me. I'm never pulling towards the edge. I'm never putting the edge towards the the sharpening stone. I'm always pulling the edge away from the sharpening stone. So you want to sharpen away from the edge, not have the edge go towards the stone. If you sharpen with the edge going towards the stone, you're never really going to get a good sharpening edge, but you're going to grind away your stone. Then splash a little bit of water on once in a while. You never want to let that stone get dry. And then there's the strop, you know, the old leather stropping of the knife. And and it is spelled S-T-R-O-P, strop. So this is a piece of leather that you would use to finish the edge of the knife. And how you know it needs finishing. Once you finish sharpening your knife on the stone and you slice a piece of paper, as you're pulling your knife through the paper, you'll hear that little bits where it grips and sticks. That's little burrs on the blade. So this is where your strop comes in and you just basically lay the blade on the leather and you pull it back towards you with no pressure, just the weight of the knife itself. And that smoothens out that blade. Now try it on paper. Just, I start with an 800 grit that repairs the edge, gets the heavy work done, gets the nicks out of the blade. And then I I refine the edge with like a 3,000 grit. So the the higher the number, the more fine the grit is in the stone. And you can get all the way up to 6,000, 8,000 grit stones, but I think 3,000 is plenty. And then I strop it and I have a little bit of uh, polishing solution. I put on the leather as, as well. That also helps polish the edge of the blade to that real fine edge. Now, A few tips when you're doing this blind. When you're using a whetstone, you have to constantly put your hands in the water to splash a little bit onto the stone to keep it wet. You know, moisture in your fingertips, it somehow dulls the sensitivity of your fingertips and you can't really tell how sharp your knife is getting once you get your fingers are a little bit swollen from the water. So you need to be more careful because you're not really realizing how sharp that knife is getting. So you don't want to be running the edge of the blade along your finger to determine sharpness because you can cut yourself real easily what you want to do when you're sharpening your knife is you want to take maybe 20 strokes on one side of the blade and then 20 strokes on the other and then count down 19 on one side 19 on the other 18 on one side 18 on the other what you're looking to do is is to get that edge so it's it's starting to curl over a bit so when you've done 20 strokes on one side you you feel it with your fingertip pulling away from the edge and you feel it it catches there a little bit that means the The very edge of the blade has curled over just the slightest bit. That's a good sign. That's why you count down because you're getting rid of that that spur, that curled overness. as, As you count down to, you're getting down to two strokes per side, one stroke, and then you flip it, one stroke, and then you've got that edge perfectly centered. It's not curling over anymore. Then you're done. The other thing you need to worry about is visualizing where that knife blade is. You take your finger... You touch the tip of your nose. Even if you don't see your finger, you know where your fingertip is. You can bring it to the tip of your nose. Now you have to add on 4 inches, 6 inches, 12 inches of knife blade on top of that. You need to visualize where that knife blade is all the time. You can't be thinking about something else when you're sharpening your knife. You can't be daydreaming. You can't be having your head thinking about how much money's left in your bank account. You know, you can't think of anything else except where that knife is and what it's doing Otherwise, you're going to forget about that knife and you're going to cut yourself. You really need to pay attention to what you're doing here. It's like a hammer, right? When you're hammering, you need to remember where that hammer is in space all the time. Otherwise, you're going to hit yourself in the head with it. You know, not when you're hammering down and thinking about hitting your finger. It's when you're bringing the hammer back. You can easily slam yourself in the head if you're not paying attention. Same with a knife. You need to be paying attention. I enjoyed giving Lily and Theo those Swiss Army knives. You know, uh, you know they don't remember, but I've given them knives back when they were six, seven years old. But they never had them very long. Like Ian said, they lost them pretty quick and they cut themselves pretty quick too. And But these knives, you know, they'll have for the rest of their life. The only problem is now, it's hard to carry a knife anywhere. There's a lot of places you just can't bring knives anymore. There's a lot of security now. I lost a few at the airport. You don't get them back. But when you're going outdoors, when you're going camping... You know, that's the time you want to make sure your knives are in good shape. I want to thank Nazreen abdel Majid, Sam Robinson and Paula Dineen. They're my technicians. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.
3: Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada watch The Pulse on YouTube, or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.